This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand You could never understand There is something about it which is taking us back to pure cycling. I just really love this genre of cycling, just the simplicity of riding out in the environment on your own, looking after yourself. Here we are at the Yarrabug Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR 855 on your dial, podcasting or listening to the tranny at the front. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. If you want to know what's happening in American politics, and there's a little bit going on over there at the moment, Amy Goodman and Democracy Now, a long-running show that fills in all the blanks. It's a lovely sort of midsummer's midsummer's Monday morning here in Melbourne. A little bit of precipitation in the air. Just nice. Looking forward to a bit of a hot week, I think, is coming back. And all the way back from the frigid frigid Arctic, Faith has landed back in Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) From uh, minus 20 to plus 39. (laughs) Wore the right clothes onto the plane and walked straight off at Tullamarine feeling just peachy. (laughs) We've got a little bit of a show. We're talking about a couple of things that are happening um, around town and in the cycling world worldwide, um, and we'll touch on a few other things. That quote from the top of the show from uh, was from Rupert Guinness, who most people will know as a cycling journalist who rode in the Indian Pacific wheel race last year and just talking about um, how that different style of cycling actually brings us back just to ourselves. So we'll be touching on that a little bit later. But first off, um, Faith's got a wonderful bike moment for us <laughs> because I don't think I've got one. <laughs> I, do be, have, I do have one, That'll actually. be a first. <laughs> um, 
Well, um, I was a bit like you, Val, halfway here on the, this morning. I suddenly thought, oh, bike moment. That's we're, we're a bit out of our normal radio show rhythm. But um, it was just towards the end that um, of my commute here, I noticed, you know, after you cross Johnson Street coming up Napier yeah. and there's a couple of – there's primary school and there's uh, a little crossing where kids yeah. and their parents – And they're taking the centre pole out. Have they? Yep, he didn't notice. Oh, <laughs> no. right. Because, well, it's that I was thinking there was several um, mothers with their preschool kids, so obviously they dropped the older kids off at school and were going back to where they came from, waiting to cross at that crossing. And it was one of those things where the lights have just turned green, so you oh, get no. twenty or more cyclists coming through, yep. and um, and no one stopped to let them over, which. You know, I kind of understand in the sense that you've just come up that slight incline from a red light, so you you're just getting going and da 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 da. da. But I just thought, you know, it is one of those things where you just I was uh, towards the back of the group, having just caught the green light yeah. as I came down, and um, there was not one person of the 20 ahead of me who stopped to give way to these mothers and their kids trying to cross the road at the crossing. So. It's a dog-eat-dog world <laughs> out there. Hey? It's, uh, yeah, and then I, I can also see, I thought, well, if you were one of those cyclists more towards the front and you had thought of stopping, you were also very aware at that moment that you've got everyone very close behind you and everyone's in that I've just got to get up this little incline yeah. mode and so – Stopping in that sort of bunch could be quite tricky too. But I yeah. just thought maybe there are moments we could uh, back it off a little bit. Keep an eye out for yeah. others as well. Reminds me of uh, one of my local past parks. Nobody knows whether they're, they're shared paths or not. You know, there's a lot of confusion about whether they are or not. And um, I've got a very small fox. He is 16 years old, so she just dags along. Anyway, I got an earful from somebody in a hurry the other day. And I said to him, I said, mate, you're meant to be sharing it with this little dog. Come on, give us some weird. <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Um, my uh, bike moment. Oh. There we go. Ooh. I know. No, I pull <laughs> Fast thinking. Um, it, everybody knows I work at Second Chance Cycles, a great group that's going along too. We had a, um, we had a lovely little... Um, photo opportunity the other day. Bendigo Bank from uh, Clifton Hill had actually donated $11,000 to Second Chance Cycles, which was wonderful. So a couple of the um, the bank uh, board came down with photographer and the CEO of uh, Vacro, Carol, was there. And um, I've never posed behind the outside, the oversized check, the great piece of Corfu, <laughs> about six feet long. I didn't realise it's really just a little bit of whiteboard so you can write the letters on. <laughs> Some confusion about whether we wanted to keep the check or maybe we, we would use it. Anyway, part of Second Chance Cycles is we get a fair bit of um, hard rubbish from both Yarra and Burundara and sometimes some surprising things turn up. Anyway, there's an old English... They're not around anymore. They're an old English bike brand called Viscount, which became very much a collectibles in some of their original steel ones. Anyway, they produced a very lightweight frame just out of normal steel, but they had what was called the death fork on them. 
<laughs> Sheldon Brown labelled them the death fork because they had some of them had aluminium forks on them and just bonded to a steerer tube, and some of them then had rivets in the back of the steerer to hold it on. <laughs> what so could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> anyway, you'll be happy to know that a responsible cyclist is going to take that bike home. <laughs> not going off, no. <laughs> Please drop the fork out. Beautiful-looking bike. When we were talking before about, you know, old-school road bikes, yeah, this was the real epitome of it. I would it would obviously used a little bit, but not too crazy. Yep. But the cloth tape, yeah, you know the non-aero bars with the cables meeting exactly in the middle of the bike, the understated paint job, just a little bit of lettering on yep. it. Yeah, it was really quite sweet, and it was about a sixty-two, so it made for somebody about six foot four. I would they imagine. always are. You know, and, uh, all the good ones are too big. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, our bike moments. Now, we'll be back just after this short din set. And because Subscriber Week finished last week, didn't it? So if you haven't written that check yet, why don't you do it now? Race here, the perfect companion in your car on your road trip. You can stream radio straight into your car. Straight in. Like 3CR gets streamed straight into your car, keeping you company. No matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll have something interesting in your ear. That's correct. And you can Bluetooth it and you can just stick it right into you. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any kind of attachment you want? <laughs> To subscribe to 3CR, unwaged is $35. Yes. yes. Waged? $75. And solidarity? one fifty. $1.50. That's pretty reasonable to help keep 3CR on air. Call 3CR 9419 and... Subscribe. Subscribe today. Subscribe now. When I'm on a road trip, I want to take 3CR with me and listen to Rock and Roll. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show on 3CR. Val and I have been trying to catch up on a heap of the news that's been happening. And um, it didn't happen this week. But uh, one uh, um, event that we were really looking forward to um, was cancelled recently. So we just thought we'd uh, take a look at that. Yep. And I've done the... As everybody probably knows, and if you listened to Chris's show last week, they had Melbourne Hurts, Hurts on. Um, Jesse Carlson had cancelled the Indian Pacific. Uh, this is just the coroner's inquiry hasn't finished or hasn't started, I don't think, in the ACT, but uh, they've decided to cancel it. And I was struck by there a f- number of people, including Melbourne Hurt, who are... Come March the, I've forgotten the date, March, uh, come March that they are going to leave Perth and ride it. As ride a, the route. Ride the route as a, yeah. uh, that's a little bit of a homage, I think, to Michael yeah. as well. Uh, and, um, I mean, as Jesse said, the route is there all the time for people to ride. But um, um, homage maybe to Michael, definitely, but also quite possibly to um, Jesse and the people who put so much work into Developing an event that really captured the hearts and minds of yeah. people all across the country and overseas, and and it's obviously inspired lots of people um, to ride. So um, 
if you, uh, yeah, you can keep an eye out. If if anyone who decides to ride that route, not as a race, but just uh, for their own sake, um, decides to, you know, publish the, some tracking, we'll uh, certainly be yeah. linking them up in the future so people can keep an eye on them. Yeah, so not, they're not going to... They're not going to have the tracker up, I presume. Anyway, these things will happen in the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyone who's got a tracker can, um, of their own volition, use that device to publicise yeah. their the route they take and where they are. Um, and some people like to do that anyway. So, I, yeah, it would be yeah. interesting. be uh, nice to be able to watch their efforts. I had a visitor, a customer in the shop, a uh, young American from... Um, I think he was from San Francisco, had ridden across the Nullarbor, three days of a tailwind, temperature barely above 20 degrees, <laughs> then three days of rain. He said, I'm not sure what was going on. Where was I? <laughs> Speaking of organised rides, you'll be thrilled to know that in Uganda's, the capital of Uganda is Kampala, sorry, and I've been doing too many of those age quizzes, mm. and they had their first critical mass. In oh, February, wow. which is very good, run by the police and the transport authorities, but highlighting the uh, need for more, better infrastructure and uh, for bike infrastructure in uh, Uganda's biggest city. This is on the back of um, uh, a uh, critical mass in Nairobi in Kenya a couple of months before. So if you didn't think last century's dead yet, it's still going in some <laughs> other parts. <laughs> And also in the news this week, um, there was a road safety ad uh, campaign in Western Australia that was pulled by the road safety minister, Michelle Roberts, um, after she saw it. It was a campaign that uh, encouraged drivers to adhere to the laws about driving because um, if they didn't, they might they risked becoming a cyclist, which was essentially a loser. Um and so the road safety minister was not very impressed because, you know, they spend money trying to get people on bikes and to have your own department release a campaign that uh, depicted bicycles use as the, the worst thing that could happen to you. I thought it was interesting because there was a similar campaign in South Australia a few years ago um, that I don't think there it was the actual roads minister who saw the mistake. I think that had to be brought to their attention. But... Um, Certainly in this case, Michelle Roberts uh, hadn't seen the final video campaign nor um, approved it and a couple of the Western Australian cyclist advocacy groups, including West Cycle, um, concurred with um, the West Cycle chief executive, Matt Fulton, said this belittles the half a million people who choose to ride a bike each and every week and the state government is investing record levels to encourage bike riding as a legitimate mode of transport, and this ad campaign is directly opposed to the direction set from the rest of the government. There, uh, If you looked at the last 10 years, Western Australia have been one of the states that have actually pushed the button yeah. and said we need to ramp up our cycling infrastructure. I'm trying to remember the name of the trail that was built recently. Yeah. They've been really big on public transport cycling. Yeah. It's hard to understand... Well, it's, yeah. They wander off the path a little bit. Well, and, you know, it was some agency has provided that and someone thought it was a good idea, but it is quite bizarre. 
I might be wrong here, but I think the government in Western Australia is probably on their last little bit. I'm not too sure. Yep. I should predict the political future. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, yep. because also in the news we had um, the Liberals in South Australia who are looking forward to an election. Um, well, I don't know why they'd be anticipating that election, but um, they've come up with an interesting policy uh, for the Great Southern Bike Trail, and this would be uh. a bike path from Melbourne to Adelaide. Yes. Um, and they've released a nice little PDF for about that policy. There's there's no um, – it would be a 1,000 kilometres. There's no budget, no timeline, no nothing more concrete nah. than just we think it would be a good idea, but they would be working on that with other state governments and federal government. And in response, Matthew Guy has come out with a, a mirror policy, also supporting said bike trail and promising $500,000, um, which might cover a feasibility study or yep. something, um, should the Liberals win the next Victorian state election. Uh, choice of three over in South Australia this year in the election. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. But um, so the Liberals suddenly very interested in uh, tourist but, bike infrastructure. Interesting they've called it the Great Southern Bike Trail when um, we already have in Victoria the Great Southern Rail Trail. Right. That would lend itself to some confusion yeah. should it ever get off the ground. It would be great. But um, I'm, I'm a little tad cynical about that. No, calm. <laughs> Talking about being cynical about things. <laughs> One of the cleanest sports in the world at the moment is <laughs> professional cycling. Um, some of you might realise that Chris Froome's um, UCI anti-doping case comes up this week. He had a very high level of salbutamol, which is uh, normally used as an anti-asthma drug. Um, his levels were a little bit up. So it will be interesting to see what happens here. I'm not too sure what's going to go on. I think there's some suggestion that uh, he might have had a bit of a kidney malfunction or there'll be some interesting excuses come up. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> when you have a whole team to work on them. True. But, yep. uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what do. The last two people who had high levels for this both got rubbed out for quite a long time. Uh, but he was, I might be wrong here, he was operating on one of those sort of little waivers they give you for medication, like the oh, yeah. the waiver that uh, Armstrong got for cortisone in the second last um, um, tour. Anyway. Let's talk about happier things. Happier things. <laughs> you might have noticed if you're watching any of the winter games, talking about freeze. It's the coldest in South Korea. It's the coldest Winter Olympics too. Mm. When you were talking about a cold Japan, they must have had a they've had a cold couple of months up there. Yeah, it's um and it's played havoc, especially with um a lot of the the women's snowboarding events. Yeah. It's uh, the weather's been pretty rough. Too much snow. Now, if you'd been listening intently to Faith and I over the last six months, we've made a bit of a feature of, oh, I've forgotten his name, the, the Russian, uh, the film Icarus and the whole Russian doping thing. So if you'd noticed uh, at the start of the, the Winter Games, the, the, I think there were uh, 168 Russian athletes um, competing, but they're not competing in uniforms. They didn't march in the opening ceremony under a Russian flag, and they're wearing neutral 
um, uniforms. This is story just keeps giving. I'm not sure if people remember. Uh, a lot of the... Oh, Grigory Rodchenkov, you're too good. <laughs> He's a great character. There's got to be a better film, mate. He's got to be in a movie somewhere. Um, last week, a couple of the um, Russian athletes from the Sochi Games had their cases thrown out... Um, in the uh, the, appeals the appeal against... process, so they look like getting back up off, and there's a bit of a suggestion now that actually at the end of the games, the Russian athletes will be will walk through the opening the closing ceremony under a Russian flag and in Russian uniforms. So what was big stories just blow away in time, don't <laughs> they? Just blow away. Um, and I have one other bit of news. Yeah. No. No. Well, it's not so much news, but um, while I was away snowboarding, <clears throat> I had a thought because um, we there were some days. It's interesting to notice who wears helmets and who doesn't when they're snowboarding and skiing. It's not compulsory snowboarding. No. Ugh. Nowhere. It's compulsory with a lot of schools if you enrol your kids or yourself in a lesson. Or for kids, it's usually compulsory they wear a helmet yep. if they're in a lesson. Um, and if you're going into a sporting event, it'll be compulsory yep. Yep. to wear a helmet while you're in that event. Um, and what I've noticed is, you know, if you're in Australia, almost everyone wears a helmet. If you're in, say, Japan and you're in a resort that is primarily Japanese, not um, Westerners, Almost no one will wear a helmet. And if you're in Europe, it's pretty mixed. It's starting to get, see more helmets, but it didn't used to. So I was just thinking because – f- and, and about the choices, like when we decide to wear helmets, like, you know, when we're on piste um, and nice wide runs and, ple- you know, we often don't. But, you know, when my son and husband are doing backcountry and tree runs, they wear their helmets. So I just thought it's an interesting thing to look at when and compare to the situation here in Australia with the mandatory helmet laws. Uh. Um, because for most people in the world, the um, when they ride a bike, it's the same situation. They make a choice depending on what they're doing. You know, if you're going into a, a sporting event, you'll need to wear a helmet. Yeah. Um, if you're doing certain styles of riding, even though it's not an official event and you're required to wear a helmet, you'll probably choose to wear a helmet. But if you're going to ride down to the shops to get a loaf of bread, um, most people don't. Yep. So... I was trying to dig up... Um, I'll get hold of uh, uh, Nick Dow at some stage. Somebody had tweeted up a lovely set of figures on the Melbourne Bug um, list that broke down... Um, you know, helmets, injuries and deaths and actually then defined it as were they actually participating in a sport Mm. or whatever and I'll have to find it up because I don't want to quote the numbers and then find out they're wrong but it's it's all in the sporting part of it where the problem is, not the toddling down the the road. No. Interesting. No, um, I know Equestrian and a few of the others uh, of which the helmets are compulsory, as they should be, they're also now compulsory on a different style of helmet. 
so a helmet that's got a uh, sort of like a, a remove a, a twisting shell. The idea that being the shell of the helmet will twist mm-hmm. if you hit the deck rather and, than your neck, rather than your neck. And you'll see them a lot on people riding bikes in Melbourne here. Mm-hmm. Uh, POC, I think, is one of them, and there are a few others. Okay, which is slowly starting to come back into fashion still. I would suggest if you're riding up Bridge Road or Hoddle Street, you are in a sport and you probably should have an helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, a topic. It was just an interesting thought because I had that on my mind and then we landed back in Australia and I noticed that freestyle cyclists have yep. um, their next annual ride planned for March the 17th. So that's coming up and mm-hmm. that's Australia-wide and New Zealand. And um, also there's been a fresh um, article published, This, and this is an academic one, so it's, it, it's exploring a lot of the ideas that you often see in this space, but it is an academic article. So it's called Bike Helmets, a Dangerous Fixation, and it looks at the helmet's place in the cycling safety discourse in the United States, and well worth having a look. So um, we'll post a link to that up with the podcast tomorrow. And another link that um, might bear looking at is actually there's what, one of the myths of cycling that riding a bike too much on a tiny little saddle <laughs> leads to erectile dysfunction. But there have been two other, there have been a couple of bigger studies coming out lately that are actually are starting to poo poo this a little bit. Um, and quite interesting to read that there are a lot of, as said, everybody who rides a bike for long distances knows there are a couple of things that actually you can do to make sure you don't have, eh, what are we going to call it, like lack of blood flow because of pressure points. Interesting, I've never thought of this, although it probably comes to mind for everybody, is that um, standing up and pedalling is one of the big solvers. So the people who sit down and mm-hmm. never pe- never stand to pedal actually sometimes have a, a little bit more problems than people who regularly stand to climb hills, which is very fascinating. And we can have a quick look at a couple of events coming up. Yep. Um, I'll, uh, yep. Go. <laughs> I haven't got any events. Okay. <laughs> so... Um, Coming up on March the 17th, I mentioned, is the Freestyle Cyclist Stop Finding Healthy Transport rides. There will be rides all over Australia and in New Zealand. Um, So you can Google that to find out details for your local ride and we'll also put a link up in the podcast. And this is what we really need around Melbourne, basic bike maintenance. Now, this is at the Maribyrnong Community Centre. Um, I'm sure you'll find that. We'll put a link to it up on the um, on the web. This is a two-hour demonstration workshop to uh, to allow participants to learn how to undertake bike checks, basic adjustments, take off a wheel, fix a puncture. So this is is this the one down next to the river? I think so. Yeah, yeah. and it's this week. And it's so this week. Yeah. If you are interested, we will we will have the link up. But also Google Maribyrnong Basic Bike Maintenance, and yeah. it should come up. And if you've never ridden um, Melbourne's greatest second river, it's worth going yeah. down to Maribyrnong. And this was an old pipeworks. I think there are still a couple of industrial age um, buildings left standing on the Maribyrnong. And also coming up um, 
in the future is the next uh, iteration of the Handmade Bicycle Show. So that's nice to see that back, um, an opportunity to see some of the finest brands of bespoke bicycles and accessories from around the countries with the makers too. Um, great food, coffee and beer will also be on offer so you can make a full day of it, hanging out and checking to the, chatting to makers. It'll be held at the Meat Market in Melbourne, which is a gorgeous venue. And it's going to be on Friday the 27th of April until Sunday the 29th of April. Um, there's tickets for the opening night on Friday and then other day tickets for either Saturday or Sunday. So you can find the tickets at handmadebicycleshow.cc and we'll also put the link up in our podcast. And if you need a little bit of future reading just to... Uh Jan Hein on of Bicycle Quarterly on his blog Off the Beaten Path has published a a couple of articles, five of them I think, about the myths of cycling. One is wider tires are slower, titanium mudguards. Worth a read actually to sort of make you rethink about some of the things that your ideologies that you're wedded to. <laughs> and that's all we have time for today. You've been listening to the Yarrabug Show on 3CR Community Radio. Yarrabug Radio Show is run entirely by volunteers and 3CR depends on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. So if you'd like to subscribe or make a donation, you can do that at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. Coming up next is... Dirt work. Jailbreak. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.